The following episodes recorded prior to the April 20th, 2001 verdict of the Derek Chauvin trial. You are listening to Black Man in the Right World. Hey everybody, this is Mike. This is Grant, and today we're talking about... Black trauma. It's a really intense topic, so just a disclaimer, things are going to get a little heated and dramatic. It's not going to be dramatic, I am traumatized. Okay, you're right. I mean, do you want to just... Let's just start the episode. Okay. Alright, I hear you uh, have a dream to share with us today. I do. I mean, obviously I have a dream. I have dreams every night. Um, (laughs) But this dream in particular... It starts off with at least all I can remember because sometimes you have like parts of the dream earlier in the beginning that get really foggy and stuff, so you just don't know what the fuck happened. But from what I can remember, and I wrote this as soon as I woke up, so this is this is vividly exactly what what happened minutes before. Got it. Um, or I don't know how time is figured out in dream world. It might have been hours before. Okay, but anyway, I was in a barren wasteland and it like it could have either been Bakersfield, where I grew up, or Tehachapi or Taft, which is like these little like hillbilly, like podunk wasteland towns that are like near Bakersfield, all in the same area, like where there's basically just tumbleweeds, racist people, rats, snakes, that kind of shit. Got it. Um, it really reminded me of the Thunder Plains from Final Fantasy X, which is a very nerdy <laughs> reference, but I feel like you understand it and maybe yes. like five people are listening to this. Basically, just like it looks like the Grand Canyon, but everything is dark and there's like lightning all the time. Yes. And then like canyons and like stuff like, uh, not canyons, but like big rocks and things that look kind of like rock formations that kind of look like animals and stuff like that. Mm. Like crags. Yes. That kind of is what they're called. Crag animals. Yes. Um, and they look like dragons, turtles, and stuff. It's like very trippy, which makes me think that it actually kind of reminds me of Joshua Joshua Tree, because mm. like, yeah. So it basically like looks looks like Joshua Tree, and except without the weird trees that that look like they're reaching up to God or whatever, praying to God. It's weird animals that are reaching up to God. Pretty much. So, but that's that's not relevant to this whole dream. Uh, well, maybe it was. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a dream like therapist, or whatever, but. It's like the time of day is it's twilight, but like not like twilight where it's going to get uh, lighter. It's twilight where it's like it's going to get darker. If that makes sense. Yes. Like it's it's like the, it's right before the evening, right before nighttime. So but it's not like that, that time of driving where you can't see anything at all, like where the sun is super bright. You know what I'm talking about? You're yeah. You're on the freeway. You can't see shit. You're like, I'm about to crash into somebody. Yeah, yeah. That, that would be like sunset. Yeah. You're talking about twilight, like the sun is down, but it's not dark yet. Yeah, it's not dark yet. Yes. I hate that time of day because I literally cannot see anything. And I'm like, I'm going to get, like, this is going to be the day that I get pulled over. And the cop going to be like, what was you doing? And I'll be like, officer, I can't see them. And my eyes closed. And they'll be like, you hide. And they're going to be, you know, it's going to turn out. He's going to tase me, shoot me. Damn. Okay, anyway, um, that's not a part of this. But <laughs> foreshadowing, so, yeah, foreshadowing. Um, but I'm in the this like barren wasteland, and then all of, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, like, I can kind of hear like faint music, and then I, they just appear, and there's like this huge caravan like rides by, and it's like a bunch of soldiers, and they look like they kind of look like knights, and they but they're like wearing they have like ornate like armor that's like kind of like gold on the edges and stuff like that. But then they're all shaped weird and stuff, and and not shaped just like humans. And I look closer and I realize that they're all like part animals, 
Like all of the soldiers are like like frogs and snakes and donkeys and whatever, you know, they're, they're monkeys. They're like they're all like animorph soldiers. It's it looks it's very crazy. Yeah. But in the dream, it's it wasn't crazy. When I woke up it was crazy. In the dream I'm like, oh here they go, you know, like the parade is here. <laughs> uh, and then <laughs> there's a bunch of them that look like frogs and I realized I was like, well maybe after Thinking about it, maybe they're frogs because I like randomly made frogs my spirit animal just on my own. Like I never looked this up or read it in the book or, you know, smoked uh, crack and then was like, oh, frogs, my spirit animal. Mm. It just literally I just came to this conclusion. I was like, I like the way they look and uh, I just think they're spiritual creatures and I relate to them. So I made yeah. it my spirit animal. So okay. maybe that's why it was everybody looked like frogs for the most part in this, this caravan. Got it. But anyway... Uh, so they didn't even notice me, and then the caravan just keeps going by, and they just keep moving and going on with their parade. And then at the very end, there's like this big fat one that's like part pig, part frog, and well, he's part pig. Okay, that's a little deep. Okay, um, but he's like sitting. They're like carrying him on this canvas like tray or like I don't know seat. And like like a king or something. Oh, and he's okay. Like, and he's like laughing and enjoy and seems like he's jolly. He's like swaying back and forth. It looks like he has alcohol and stuff like that. He's like oh, he's like big and fat. I am seeing this in Miyazaki vision right now. Yes. Like I'm seeing this as a Miyazaki character. Okay, now that you say that, the fucking opening scene is Spirited Away. Yeah, it's very similar to that shit. Okay, all right. Continue. I, I, was, I didn't even watch that movie lately, so I don't know what the fuck I've been on something. But anyway. <laughs> Uh, so that dude, once he passes me, he doesn't notice me either. And then because he, like no one notices me, this whole caravan and whole parade comes by this fat frog king pig dude. He's laughing and he comes by at the very end and none of them notice me. So then I get super sad and like the whole mood changes. Like it goes from like this twilight eerie barren wasteland to like this sad desert. And I'm just like depressed now. And then suddenly I snap to and I'm in a restaurant. And Whoa. this restaurant, I was like, I knew that because this shit happens every time I have a dream. The restaurant was like a cross between like Asian fusion and like Indian food or something like an Indian restaurant, which makes sense because like I feel like in my mind, all my restaurant history comes from P.F. Chang's mm. and comes from the sushi restaurant I worked at. Yeah. So like obviously that's stuck in my brain. So like I'm always in having restaurant dreams. And if you are been a server before, you know, like everybody has like those server nightmares where like you're trying to make drinks or beverages for people and you can just never make them fast enough. Or people try to take an order and then the person's like, um, I would like, and it go really slow. You're like, I, I can't do this. I got 20 tables just set right now. And you're talking so slow. Oh, that's so, like, anxious. I was, so I started having this dream all of a sudden. I was like, where the fuck, where did the fuck did this come from? <laughs> but it also reminded me of good luck bar. that used to be by our house. Oh yeah. Yeah. That closed down. That place so, is gone. Yeah. RIP. I mean, every bar is closed right now, but it closed before the pandemic. I think the bars are open now. I don't oh, know. Are? Yeah. I ain't going to them. Fuck that shit. <laughs> Everybody got that Johnson & Johnson vaccine. I ain't going to no damn Johnson & Johnson bar. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that is so, vaccine misinformation. Yeah. <laughs> we are not, you know, we are not putting that out in the world. That's just a joke. This is incorrect information for the correct COVID information. Please go like to the CDC.org. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But anyway, this place is like, it was actually beautiful and like very immaculate and ornate. And I was like, oh, okay. Like this is stuck in my head. It, like the way that the building looked 
and the way that the furniture looked, the reds and the golds and the blacks and all those colors, reminded me of the armor of the, the animal soldiers and stuff from the oh, parade before. interesting. So it was very similar, which also makes some sense because, like in Chinese Zodiac, which has been on my mind lately because we threw a party recently. Well, party, I say that. Everybody went, party in the COVID. Uh, four or five of us hung out. They were all vaccinated. But we, mm. had a, we had a birthday celebration that was all based on like the Chinese zodiac. Mm, so maybe that was in my head too, and that's why the why all the people looked like a boar, and an ox, and a pig, and a horse because it was all Chinese zodiac. Got it. Walking by, it's, it kind of makes sense now that I'm saying it in retrospect or talking back about it. I'm like, okay, now it's starting to make sense to me. But anyway. I had like 15 tables. They're all sat. They're families. There's all different people. Ain't none of them been greedy yet. So I'm like, I don't understand how I'm going to greet 15 tables at once. I don't know how I'm going to do this. Like, there's no way I can get a handle of it. And then uh, pretty much the boss or whoever's in charge is like being very condescending to me. And it's like, oh, do you know what to do next, Mike? Like, And it's like. This is not a dream. <laughs> this shit, this is real. This is some real trauma shit. This is some shit I'm going to tell my therapist one day when I finally stop being too black and be like, I need to get a therapist. But uh, <laughs> until then, I'm just going to always say when I get a therapist. But yeah, this that shit was not funny. I was like, wait a minute. like This actually happens at jobs. They always second guess my ability and what I can do, can and can't do. So that part, I was like, that happens in dreams a lot, but it's very real. But then... Right before, like, I'm gonna, I started serving all the tables and I get a hang of everything and I'm like, I'm gonna write everything down. I got this. I snapped to it. I'm back in the barren wasteland again. And I was like, shit. Well, now, like, who gives a fuck about the tables? But now this time I'm in the barren wasteland and I, I, my memory is the same as before. So now I know what's coming and I know that this parade's gonna walk by. So now I'm like, last time they didn't notice me. This time I know they're coming. So I'm gonna get them to notice me. So then all of the animal dudes start coming down again, like the frogs and the and the pigs and the cats and all this shit in their armor. And I'm fucking like dancing and joining, trying to join in with them and get their attention. And now they actually notice that I'm there and I'm like part of the parade and I'm like having fun. But then when we get to the pig frog guy at the very end, I realized that he wasn't laughing and enjoying himself. He was like crying and like really upset and like he was actually in pain. But the first time that he went by, I guess I was so focused on them not noticing me that I thought he was having a good time and laughing, but he wasn't. He was actually sad. So I was like, wait, is this not a parade? Are they actually taking him to like go sacrifice him and kill him? And like, this is his like final like funeral or procession or like final moment. I was like, Damn, wow. it looked exactly the same as the first time, but this time because like I got them to notice me and I was part of it, like I saw him differently. It was very trippy. Um, and so then also there was someone with me the second time around. I like I couldn't really see them or notice them, but I could feel, I could feel their like presence by me. And because like I don't know what they looked like. Just after writing this, I was like, I'm just going to make it the same Bowie, you, my brother, <laughs> formation person. The wolf, the wolf pack. Yeah, the wolf pack where it's like yeah. part dog, part black man, part white guy with glasses. Like, it's, it's, that's what it's going to be. Yeah. But, yeah, so it's it's crazy. Like, I realized he's going to get he's going to be sacrificed. And then, like, it kind of made me a little bit sad. But at the same time, I was like, I can't stop it because... This has been planned. This is this is the way it is. They're already going down. This parade is already happening and it's moving. And then they just take him away. And then as they're taking him away, I like reach to go like be like, wait. And when I reach to go wait, I wake up 
and my foot kicks my laptop and almost not my new one and almost knocks it off my bed, but I catch it. And you know from like the past yeah. that like the last time I did it to my other laptop, I cracked the screen and it messed it up and I was fucked up for a while. So like this time I caught it and like it didn't fall over. And I was like, damn, I didn't wow. even know I left it open like that. I, I fell asleep. And so like that was part of the dream. It felt like, like I, wow. it, I, which never happens. We're like, I'm in a dream and like the kick actually happens in real life. And it was like <laughs> something real. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's what happened. I don't damn. know how we can connect this to what we're talking about today. Well, it's interesting because I feel like there's a connecting theme of trauma, right? Like there's like men, there's like different mental states, and then there is like a tra- traumatic experience of being in the restaurant industry and having that like flashback, and then even like the trauma of like your laptop reliving before your eyes of that breaking. Oh my gosh! Okay. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, and then there's also the element of perspective, so we can talk about like how the trauma plays into it as part of our episode, but then maybe we can come back around at the end and talk about perspective. Because yes. I, I think that was really interesting that you noticed your perspective change and what you thought was going on shifted. But even though the same scenario played out, it's just that I was ready for this scenario. Yeah. The second time I was ready for it, I was able to deal with it, but then I realized that the guy that was uh, I had seen before, he was all, he was the one that was not okay. Damn. So yeah, and then, and then like I guess also the fact that he was like a frog pig really said was, to me because yeah we're gonna definitely be discussing. Yeah, I was thinking uh, about that. We're definitely discussing law enforcement, so I guess they're kind of in that that realm. Yeah. Um. Well, okay. I mean, let's let's kind of jump into what we're gonna talk let's about talk today. About it. So you you reached out to me, um, and you you also made some social media posts about this. Yeah, I was just like, you're racist. <laughs> Yeah, every day. Just, just always, always get a text from you. You know, just, <laughs> <laughs> just a daily reminder. Um, okay, no, but say? specifically about um, black trauma and 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 how it's been playing out this week. And I think not yeah. just this week, but for just like the last couple weeks, the last two or three weeks. I mean, one can make an argument for the last like two years. Well, I mean, forever. <laughs> yeah, forever. But, yeah. These particular things we're going to discuss today have been popping off in this last Absolutely. couple of weeks. The last two weeks in particular. Yeah. Um, and I mean, do you want to share your initial thoughts just on, I mean, we can detail the events of, of what's been happening. Well, I guess I could, just to put it out there, because I know there's a lot of probably white friends of mine or white people who know me <laughs> as Shannon Sharp. So perfectly put, like, are you actually friends with these black people or do you just know black people? Uh, but for the people who know me or who are friends with me, I'll just put it out here like, because everyone's like, how are you doing? Are you doing okay, Mike? Is there anything I can do for you? Oh my God. <laughs> Should I protest? Um, I'll just say, you know, I just live your life. Do what you like, do just do right by others and do right by whatever fucking creed or spirituality you follow, but the, the good parts of it, the parts that are about caring for humanity. That's all I, that's all I can respond to people. When people are like, how are you feeling about all the, the, pro, uh, the, the violence and the anger? And there's, you know, there's Asian hate, there's Black Lives Matter, there's uh, things happening with, with, with women and sexism and the trans community also. But I'm like, everyone just chill the fuck out and be nice to each other. If everyone would just chill for a minute and just be like, I don't want my feelings hurt and I don't want to be hurt or hurt others, that's that's all I can say. Like I'm, I'm, not, I'm not telling anyone to go out here and just be a champion for black people because that's asking a lot. I can't even do that. 
I don't even want to do, I don't even want to do that. I don't even want to become an, a black activist. So I'm not going to ask my white friends to go do, to do those things. Cause that's, that's crazy. It takes a certain type of person. And I think particular people who are trained for that and who have the know-how, who have, who have the information and the resources should go do those things. So to my white friends, to people who know me, like, yes, I'm fucked up by all the things happening, but I'm not like de- debilitated. I can still operate. I can still function. I just think that these these are more and more reminders that we just need to be decent to each other. Well, we we just saw a headline today, and the headline was, I mean, this last week has been a collective trauma point for basically black America. Um, And in particular, with everything going on with, you know, there's the George Floyd trial that's being relived. You know, that Derek whole case Chauvin is being relived. Trial. George Floyd is not on trial. Absolutely. It's it's George Floyd's murderer. Yes. Yeah. Um and then there's uh the case of Dante Wright, who was shot. Yes. Mistake supposedly mistakenly instead of the taser, the gun was used. I'm explaining this horribly. Well yeah. No, uh, I mean no, you're you're fine, but it, it that's what happened. Yeah. Um they and that's what they claim. That's what they claim. And then, I mean, that, I mean, two other cases that happened. Uh, Lieutenant Nazario was pulled over and pepper sprayed. Army Lieutenant. Yeah. And we saw a video of him. He was pulled over once before. No problem, right? That it was how it, I mean, I was watching it. It was basically how it went. It would go down for a white person. You yeah. get pulled over. They ask you for your license. And, hey, I noticed your, um, you know, you don't have a plate and he says oh it's in the back but the window's tinted go check it out he got a speeding ticket he you know tried to be like oh can i get a warning guy said no wrote the ticket everyone moved on with their day which is like normal every person's like can i get out of this ticket can you just give me a warning yeah everyone uh, says that of course you're gonna try i had a speeding ticket and i would have said that (laughs) yeah and and he got the ticket he went about his day cop went about his day yeah then there was the next case that happened where he was pulled over again. So he's but a, a bad driver. But apparently... <laughs> we'll establish that. Or, or mostly the police were looking at that his, he, his car didn't have plates. He, that's what I'm saying. Get that yeah. shit. Get your plates, man. Yeah. I mean, he had the temporary one up you there. Mean, but you got to get that together. We all. That's why I left my car parked in the driveway for like months. And everyone's like, why is your car parked in the driveway? It's like, because I'm not trying to be on the fucking news. Yeah. I ain't got no money to pay these damn tags, so I ain't gonna drive this motherfucker. I'm gonna take the bus. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, was able to realize that I'm I, I'm procrastinating on something. Yeah, and then, uh, but then they followed him for a mile and a half, and apparently pulled the guns on him the second they pulled him over because they were I don't know. Well, the cops said they followed him for a mile and a half. You know, he's probably exaggerating. You ain't following his ass for no mile and a half. It was probably like. A quarter of a mile. It's so interesting, though, to see the contrast between the one tape where it's like pulled over. The guy's got his, you know, pen and paper. The next one pulled over. Guns are drawn. It was more than one cop, too, right? Well, I think it was multiple. Yeah. So something was going on. I was like, what did they think was in the in that SUV? What did they like? (laughs) My thing is, yeah, I just don't because if it's just a traffic stop, you know, you don't need a gun or a taser. All you need is just like your your pen and your paper, like you were speeding this. But even if they had all these tasers drawn because it might be something dangerous, do you think you would have like if he had a, a machine gun? Those fucking tasers ain't gonna do shit. 
walk up, hey, Jim Bob, we're going to tase this fucking bus full of terrorists. What the fuck they going to do? So you clearly knew they clearly knew a taser was enough to to hurt him because it wasn't actually much of a threat. That's what that's, mm, that's a take that I get. That's a, yeah, that's a good point. If they thought it was a real threat, you wouldn't be walking up to no open window like that with no taser in your hand. I'll trust yeah. me. You would, you would. I wouldn't. It was interesting watching the video afterwards, too, because the guy was trying to be like, look, we're just trying to get, you know, the cop was like, we're just trying to get everyone home safe. And like, do you need something like, to wash your like, eyes out? And all yeah. This? Look at look at how they're treating us, like how they're hard on us, how they're hard on y'all. Like, just really interesting. Like trying Not to be the cop like trying to relate to black people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was. Oh, my gosh. So it was just as interesting stuff. So all of this is going on. Bullshit. You know, all on like, you know, while the case against Derek Chauvin is happening. Yeah, they like literally in the, they literally testifying at the same time that this shit is going on. Yeah. And then even a 13, another 13-year-old kid was shot this week. <sighs> Someone was shot this morning, apparently. Meanwhile, mass murderers are shooting people at FedEx and in freaking... Grocery stores and and every day Walmart's all all the, over the place I right now. I saw somewhere I don't know if this number is correct. But it was like forty because you know it takes like four or something people to be considered like a mass shooting. Yeah, but it was like it says like forty or something, forty plus mass shootings this month or something. I'm like, y'all. Yeah. Well, think about it. there's one in Orange County a couple of weeks ago. I think there was one. Forty. Yeah. There's not even forty days. That means. There wasn't one shooting a day. That means multiple happen every day. If there's 40, we're not done with the month yet. And there's 40. I don't. Uh, it's just it, 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 it's just nuts to me. And so you so all of this is going on and you texted me and even made some statement where you just were like, you don't know how you're supposed to feel. Or how people's reactions are supposed to make you feel. Yeah, I literally remember saying that, like, I don't know, do people want me to be angry? Do people want me to be sad? Do they want me to, to protest and fight back? Do they just want me to smile and pretend like nothing's wrong? I was like, I don't know what emotions people want me to have. And it's not like people outright are saying, Mike, how do you feel? They are. Some people are saying that. But as a black man, I, I'm just going to say from my personal experience, I feel that because like I'm on social media. I'm very active on social media in, in regards to engaging with other people and stuff like that. So I always feel some type of way if literally like five shootings happen in one day and then I just want to post this picture of Zoe Kravitz and be like, I hope she becomes my wife. Like, <laughs> I I feel like I feel like, oh, damn, I can't believe I just did that. Am I supposed to like post 10 things about black resources and protesting and pictures of the kid getting killed? Like, am I supposed to be lit, wallowing in this like black trauma and self-pity because this is what's happening to my people? Like, that's that's. That's crazy. It's uh, it's unfair, but at the same time, I under I get it, but it's not fair to me, cause yeah. y'all don't have to do that shit. Well, you know it's interesting. So everything that you said, with with certain exceptions, I also feel when I see this stuff going on. It's like, am I being a, a silent, violent offender by not posting everything? But then I ask myself, well, do I have? Is my responsibility to post everything that I feel and everything that I think about this and every news story and every like shoot like I would be a news aggregator. I would be spitting out news twenty four seven if I had to respond to everything. That's not what you're about. Yeah, I I want to make conscious, deliberate, conversational choices in how I, I how I put my voice out there and how I enact change. Yeah. But it's like it's hard when you're just bombarded with shit all the time. Yeah, so I don't know. It's I I'm gonna I mean, like basically I'm not going to do that. 
I I haven't. It's like it's been. I've made a, my own a pack with myself, just with all the videos and stuff like that. Like I'll post some information and I think like, oh, this this may fall in the vein of the podcast. This may be very insightful for myself or for my white friends or for my friends of any color or race, nationality, creed, sex, gender, whatever. Like if there's something that I think could just benefit the group, I'm I might post it or yeah. repost it, but. I'm not going to repost the videos of like the people getting tased, the people getting pepper sprayed, the people getting murdered and killed. I can't do that. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's... Like I I saw the video of the 13-year-old boy getting shot cuz I kept putting it off and then I was like, you know, it keeps popping up like the pieces of it and I was like I just got like I just there's a part of me that like maybe it's from my my obsession with film and television and cinema and stuff like that, where I, I can openly admit that like I do sometimes watch black trauma because of the, of the stimuli, like not, not because of like, I don't need to watch this because like I need to stand up for my people. No, I'm watching it because of the same reason I watch a horror movie or the same reason I ride, ride a roller coaster, which is fucked up. Mm. But I feel like a lot of people in America don't want to admit that a lot of people in the world don't want to admit that. Well, don't you think that that's like kind of like part of what's seeping out all the time with all of this violence in America is that we have this like, like whether it's like the traumatic side of it or whether it's the like violent tendency because that's been like instilled in in the country. Yeah. Like there's a violence issue here. I will say America is just the the, the final product and in, in the end result of history of our history being this way. Like we yeah. we it, it's one thing to say America is extremely violent. No, America is just the one that has a lot of guns. The world has always been extremely violent. We just got new tools to exert that violence. That's like, true. People were fucking chopping babies in half and shit when they like like yeah. kings were were decimating whole fucking you know groups of people in, in cities and stuff. Always. Oh yeah. yeah, there's been genocides and and patricides and homicides and stuff like that happening all the time. Uh, it's just that now that we we found this way, we got like America is literally like the Instagram of murder. And we're Damn. just like, yeah. we found a we found an Amazon way of doing this shit. We do this shit everywhere. Where you want to get it? We can kill your ass in a, a, a massage parlor. We can shoot your ass at a FedEx. We can shoot your ass in a grocery store on the street. The cops can kill you. Your mama can kill you. Your little kid can kill you. Like what you want to do? Your classmate? It's all of us. We we doing this shit on we expediting murder now. So like that's yeah. we're just we're we're doing it intensely. Like you can go to another another country or something like that. You know what's you kind of know what's going on. There are some skirmishes between people based off of policies and and political reasons or you know militias and stuff like that. Like it's it's very clear that who there's different sides. Yeah. But in America, we don't. It's a it's like four thousand sides, so no one knows who's gonna kill you today. Or who's gonna do it? Like, it's like you have to laugh because it's so dark. Isn't it so fucked up? Yeah, I literally I, that's something that I have to think about. Like walking home at sometimes at night, I'm like, like last night when I went, I went over to go visit Kaylin and Sammy. I go to her friends uh, that live really close by. I walked to their house, and it's like a mile away, maybe at even not my, maybe not even that, but I can walk. So I'm walking there during the daytime, but then at nighttime, uh, they give me a ride home because I was like kind of self-conscious like i don't want to walk home at night because i have that moment where i'm like i don't know who could fuck me up at at nighttime it could be a homeless person it could be a crackhead it could be a black person it could be uh a cop it could be anyone so like yeah it, 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 the the 
my idea of who I'm afraid of to walk around at, at night is like so heightened. And then also, I'm just worried about what people might think of who I am. I'm like, I have a backpack on. Oh, uh, I got a beanie on. I got a sweatshirt on. Like, these are all these things that I think about just to go walk a, like a couple minutes, for, like, you know, 10 minutes or whatever to go back home. I have to think about all these things. So, like, maybe other people think about that. I, I know there could be women that could easily say, yes, we think about being attacked and stuff like that at night. Yes, I know. I know that. That, that happens yeah, all the time. for sure. But then how, but do you also think about being the, accused of being the person that's going to attack people? I think, I'm worried about both other things. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> wild. Like that's that's so interesting because it's like I look because I look like the I look like the predator, but I'm worried about being the the, the prey. The prey. Yeah. Yeah, that's intense. I mean, I think over the last like I don't know ten years or so, I've I've learned like you know that I can be intimidating when I thought I wasn't. Yeah. And you know I've had to reconcile with that and and you know, change my behavior, like not, you know, like crossing the street when I feel like I'm making someone else uncomfortable. But there are times where I'm uncomfortable too, but not like that. Well, have, what is your interactions with cops? Have you had interactions with cops? Before? Yeah, I've been pulled over a couple times, um, usually because I'm speeding. Almost always because wow. I'm speeding. Like, yeah, I mean, well, I... Make that photo over here. Full, full disclosure, like, I got in a really bad car accident when I was 17 because I was speeding on a road I was unfamiliar in. Um, and, and so I've since calmed down, way calmed oh, down since he then. Calmed. Like there, <laughs> I used to ride with him on the freeway and this motherfucker be going five miles an hour. And, he, <laughs> and, if, and if there's not that much traffic, he will still make sure that there's like the space with like two cars. Yeah. Cause cars. you gotta, you gotta like keep the pace of traffic moving. I hate stop and go. I uh, got, you gotta keep rolling. I don't care if I'm rolling at five miles, but anyway, so I have been, um, <laughs> I have definitely been pulled over before and it's almost always gone the same exact way. They let me know that I was speeding. I say, oh, I'm sorry. And then they either write me a ticket or they say, okay, get home safe. Yeah. There has never been any time that any cop has ever, you know, pulled a gun on me or considered me a threat whatsoever. Have you ever been asked if there's any weapons on you? Nope. Never been asked if there's any weapons on me. I have been asked if I had been drinking. Have you ever been asked, is this your car? Um, no. But I, there was a time that I bought a car from my friend's brother. and Or no, brother-in-law. And I, the, the registration was not in my name. So I had to say, hey, just so you know, I just bought this car literally a, today. You did it just so you know, though. You told him. Exactly. They didn't ask you after Exactly. You. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, that's it's very interesting because like, I'm just saying these things. These are all questions I've been asked. I've been asked multiple times, "Is this my car?" Uh, before they even check the registration or anything, I can be like, "They like, is this your car?" I'm like, "No, officer, I stole it." <laughs> what the fuck you want me to say? Yes, it's my car, nigga. What the fuck you think, dumbass? But uh, uh, then also, I've been asked if I had weapons on me, which also is like, why? Would I have like, do I look like a fucking ninja? Like, no, oh, yeah, I got some kunai and some fucking uh, some ninja stars and shit on my, um, in my pocket. So, like, what the fuck? No, I ain't got a weapon on me. They even asked me this shit when I'm, like, 19. And I'm, like, in a white neighborhood. Like, I... I uh, well, do you find that you got pulled over more in white neighborhoods than L.A.? Yes. Because L.A. is, I, like, oh, multicultural. I got pulled over in Orange County the most out of any, any place in my life. Dude, the first time that I think we really had a, a moment of, like, 
holy shit, living together was when you got pulled over and the cop calls my phone and he says, hey, you need to come pick up Mike's car because he's got pulled over. And I was like, basically, I thought it was a joke. I thought it was like one of your like fraternity brothers calling me and being like, like, oh, hey, Mike got pulled over. I don't know why you think you're about that. Dude, I don't know. I didn't recognize this voice because I didn't think it was real. Like I like me growing up in the, the bubble that I was in. I didn't think that, oh, yeah, he could have gotten pulled over and, and then they could, you know, do whatever they did from that point on. Yeah. I like, mean, it was not, like a shock to me. I didn't think it could happen. I was, I was literally playing Grand Theft Auto while they called me, which is so fucked up about that story. I know. I literally only just left to go get food. I was hungry. Yeah. It was like you were five minutes away. You were, uh, it was a f- like less than five minute drive. And, and you got pulled over. Postmates and shit, so and like, there was 10 cops there, I think. Yeah, there was. Well, you yeah, you came there, and I because I tell this story to people, and I feel like people think I'm exaggerating. There was a lot of police officers there, just standing around, hanging standing out, standing around. And when I, I remember, I will, I will remember this vividly when I asked him why. I was like, "Why can I may I ask you why there's so many officers here?" And he's like, "We don't have anything else better to do." And then when he so when he said that, I was like, "Nigga, you shut your ass up." Mm. And you, I was like, don't flinch, don't blink, don't do nothing crazy. Because when somebody, when a bunch of people are standing, a bunch of white guys in uniforms are standing around with guns on their way saying they ain't got nothing else to do, that sounds like some lynching nigga type shit. Mm. They were ready to drag my ass and hang me from a tree and just tell everybody that I was depressed. Because um, yeah. that shit, I was not ready for. And, but the thing was, is it was lucky enough I had you involved and Sam involved where uh, y'all were, were coming to pick up the car. So, because it, it was literally right in front of our apartment. It was yeah. like not even uh, two minutes from our apartment. It wasn't even two minutes. Like it, I said, five minutes, it wasn't even two minutes. Yeah, it was right there. Yeah. So it, it was just funny because they didn't ask me why I'm, in, why I'm over here. Why is my window broken? Why is this car belong to me? They're asking me all these questions. But the only reason why they held me and arrested me was because I was a month late on one of my court payments. So they wow. asked me these 21 questions and none of them were, none of them, none, all of them were, in, like, didn't matter. The only reason, and then that, so it took 10 cops to arrest me for being late on my court payment. And if people don't, if you don't understand the discrepancies, like I'm not just saying this shit for pity. I'm not just saying this shit to be like Black Lives Matter. Woe is me. This shit physically happens and I don't know how to fucking deal with it. So I don't, I, I swear, that's why we're so upset. I don't know what to do. No. I don't like, I don't want to do this anymore. I promise you, I don't want to do this. Even now, tags are paid. Car is perfectly fine. There's no cracked windows. I'm not late on any payments. My credit cards are paid off. I'm doing well in my job. I, I my hair is combed. My teeth is brushed. My ass is wiped. Everything <laughs> is to is perfect to a T. And I'm driving down the road to go to work at ten o'clock in the morning, and a cop is driving in front of me. And my first thought is, oh fuck, like, well. What did I? What did I do? Well, there's something. There's probably something that they could probably know that I did. I'm like, but I didn't even do anything. I'm trying. I'm sitting there trying to think about what I did wrong, mm. just in case he pulls me over because I don't want to be blindsided. I'm like, do you guys? Do you do that every time you see a cop? Be like, oh wait, what? What did I do wrong? And I'm thinking like, did I cut somebody out? Did I like? I'm just no. I just know he's gonna pull me over every time I see a police officer. I just know they're gonna pull me over, so I always plan for it. Wow. Yeah, that's messed up. I mean, how do you how else do you explain that to somebody like, let's say, like a conservative white person who doesn't understand? Like, how else do you break that down for them to make them understand that it's like 
obviously like a problem. That I mean, that's that's the the crutch, uh, the crux of our conversation is black trauma. Yeah, that's the reason why I feel that way is because I am traumatized. Yeah, because it's happened so many, so many times before and to people in your family and people that, you know, and in media everywhere. And it's not because of the it's not because of Dante Wright. It's not because of Lieutenant Nazaro Nazario. It's not because of Adam Toledo. Who was the it's 13-year-old boy? Yeah, we didn't say 13. his name, but that's his name. Yeah, we're not, uh, the 13-year-old boy was shot. Not, not because of them. And it's not even because of George Floyd. It's because of the things that actually physically happened to me. Those other things are reminders of the trauma I had. But I have my own trauma that, that, that affects me. So, like, people consider that, like, we'll, we'll get into the definition of what, of what it is. But consider that, like, when the next time I get pulled over, I'm bringing in in that interaction, all the past traumas that I have with police officers, plus all the trauma that y'all keep sharing and talking about in the news. So the minute the cop walks in and says, uh, what are you doing out here? I'm like, oh, Derek Chauvin, George Floyd, Adam Toledo, me five years ago, me four years ago, me 10 years ago. Uh, you know, I'm all these could, people. Could have been every, you five yeah, days ago. I'm just, I'm thinking about all the situations I had and I'm worried yeah. that that's going to happen again. And so you're going to act irrational or probably like nervous or whatever. Yeah. You're going to seem sketched out because you are sketched out because it's a sketchy circumstance. Yeah. So let's, what is, let's try to give, yeah, a, so, give a definition. So what we're talking about is black trauma, but we're going to give the definition of racial trauma because it's all, it all envelops in that. So Mental Health America defines racial trauma or race-based traumatic stress as the mental and emotional injury caused by encounters with racial bias and ethnic discrimination, racism, and hate crimes. Any individual that has experienced an emotionally painful, sudden, and uncontrollable racist encounter is at risk of suffering from a race-based traumatic stress injury. Yeah. Um, which it sounds just... It's- Sounds terrible, right? Yeah. But the reason why I like, I think I like that definition because I do want people to understand that this ha- can happen to a lot of people. People yeah. who had like, uh, whether you're Middle Eastern or you're Asian or anything, you know, other these other ethnicities and stuff like that, uh, Hispanic, Latino community, Latino community, like all these different people, they have their own as well. Yeah. There's been plenty of things that have happened to, to them and occurred to them. The indigenous They're, community, too. Yeah, indigenous I mean, community. Everybody, we're all traumatized based off of off our, our racial identity. And so when we're put into these positions again, most of the time with law enforcement, <laughs> like the, that, that trauma comes back and we get fucked up. So now imagine how we feel when the world kind of celebrates our trauma in a pornographic way. And that's that's why you hear like, trauma porn black trauma porn and stuff like that people call it that because they're like there are people getting off on us why do you guys want to see these videos of people getting hurt these people getting arrested why do we have movies of this but that's what we always do think about how many movies of the old wild wild west it has like oh they're just going around killing native americans and stuff mm-hmm. the native americans are american citizens who have to sit there and watch those fucking movies they don't want to see that shit the genocide of their people uh, then we got movies where like, oh, this movie's a World War II movie. Oh, look at it. Look how bad like they're showing the, the conditions of the Jewish people and them getting killed in the concentration camps. Oh my gosh, this is so vivid. Uh, they are also still alive and they all their descendants also do not probably want to relive that shit. That is very traumatic. The same thing with anyone in, in the Asian community. It has to watch anything with still in World War II. Anything that has to do with things within their country. Anything that has to do with the Japanese internment camps. 
anything that has to do with when America was first being founded. You got people building railroads and also you don't like the way how they depict a lot of us in movies, especially historical movies, it becomes it becomes pornographic where it's just like gratuitous and unnecessary because we lived it. We don't want to have to do it again. And everyone keeps saying, I think the the thing that frustrates me is there's a lot of people that in our generation that are like, it didn't happen to you, so why don't you just get over it? But that's not how that's not how trauma works. Because it did happen to me. I when I when I get mad about racism, I'm I don't go and just merely go on the street and go, you guys, black people were slaves and they it was so unfair. I, yes, that didn't happen to me. I I don't I don't physically feel that pain or that trauma. I'm aware of the historical uh, references and I'm aware of how it affects me today through other systems, but that is particularly doesn't affect me. What affects me is when my interactions with cops, my interactions with people who have you know done things that are microaggressive. My interactions with people that have done things that are blatantly racist. That's what traumatizes me and affects me. And it is connected to slavery, which is why I will might why I might bring up slavery. So it's like it's so unfair for people to tell us it was in the past to get over it when the the trauma the trauma is just so like a descendant or a, a continuation of the past. That's why we can't that's why we can't. It's funny, I think a lot of people who are like ra- racial trauma deniers or like racism deniers, which I think that's just what it is at this point. Besides being uh, just straight up racist yeah. and so, <laughs> supporting white supremacy, um, they they like to. St- it seems like their narrative is that talking about it is what makes it feel like it's happening, instead of just being like, "Oh, actually, no, people have the power to talk about it now all the time when they didn't before because social media is so much more, you know, rampant, and and because more people are talking about it and more people are aware of it, it's just bringing it to light. It doesn't mean that it's making it happen because I think some people have that mentality where they're like oh well, like they just need to stop talking about it yes <laughs> and that's also something i want to clear up is that like i think my frustration with how these these news stories and how the sh- oversharing and stuff on social media is being presented i am 100 not one of those people that's like just stop posting altogether i don't want to see it i don't want to deal with this i don't want you to repost anything i don't want to talk about it like, I do want to talk about it. I got to, like, this podcast that we suitably created to talk about entertainment has turned into, like, <laughs> us always talking about, like, social issues. So, yeah. like, obviously, I do, this is something that's very important to me in my livelihood and, and the the future of, of other people as well. So, I, I do want to always talk about it, but how we present it and how we go about it and and whether it's gratuitous or whether our intention is, that's what bothers me. Um like I, I think reposting black trauma on social media is is okay if it if it's a if it's like awareness or tra- people trying to create a conversation or change. But if people are just like, oh my god, look at this world star type shit, I'm not into it. Yeah, I'm not I'm not into it for like pleasure. And and that's what's fucked up is because like I watch all these movies and 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 entertainment as much as anyone else and i like those movies but then at the same time like am i part of the like the problematic machine that i don't that i don't like that is that is using our pain for for monetary gain or for to get a good news story or to be to be trending yeah um yeah well who i mean like as far as like pop culture goes like who is the audience for these movies and tv depicting well i always wonder that because honestly how many I feel like you ain't watch shit. 
Like, not not to call you out, but like, I'm just saying. Well, I just, no, I think white people historically are the ones that are saying, la, 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 la. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, you guys never watch that shit. Like, I, I could be, I could literally, there'd probably be a lot of white friends of mine. I'd be like, have you guys seen them? They'd be like, no, I haven't seen it yet. It looks, it's too much. Have you seen when they see us? Oh, no. It just looks too, like, it's just so dramatic and painful. Well, have you seen uh, Antebellum? Oh, no. I like Janelle Monet, like, in her music, but like, she just looked like she was so distressed in that movie. And it's like, then who the fuck was that for? Was that just for us black people to watch? And so we can be like, remember, nigga, your place in the world? Well, yeah, because I think at the same time as a white person, there's this dance that you do where you're like, oh, like, do I feel like, should I feel guilty for not watching this? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yes, of course. You <laughs> yeah. If you are unaware of the situation and you have a little information on like, we'll use uh, when they see us as an example. Yeah. If you have a little information on Exonerated Five and weren't aware or privy to what was going on at that time in the 90s then yes, maybe you should watch it to educate yourself a little bit. And because this, this this might be a good way for you to figure it out. Because what I get frustrated is all my fucking white friends want to talk to me about, about all these HBO conspiracy theory groups and shit. And like, it was a sex cult. And I'm even going to throw you in there because you, you know all about the sex cult uh, shows on HBO. You watched all 12 episodes of that shit, which <laughs> equals out to like three or four hours. I actually stopped watching it after like episode six okay, good. or seven. Okay, good. So it's a, it's a me you, thing. You it's you not a... Wild, tr- wild Country... And you, no, I didn't see well. No. Okay, well, maybe not you, but the collective whiteness of, of people that are in my circle have seen all <laughs> these shows or even worked on them. Yeah, and, true. And, I, and, yeah, and all y'all want to talk about, like, oh my God, it was so crazy. This little like fringe group had like, they were like having sex with this one guy. And y'all know all about that. But then I'm like, have you seen this one movie like Judas and the Black Messiah? And you're like, oh, I didn't get around to that. I'm like, that shit was two hours long. You watched a whole fucking miniseries, but you couldn't watch a whole movie. Yep. Because of what? Because it made you uncomfortable? But you watched the fucking Jeffrey Dahmer, Timothy McVeigh type shit? Like, you like you watch all these other things, like the crime, true crime dramas, but then you don't want to deal with the true crime when it relates to race and situations that you might have contributed to. That's so true. All of these true crime documentaries are always about seemingly like white people. Mm-hmm. The ones that get popular. Or... Well, they, white people are affected by it. The thing is, <laughs> it's because you can't make a fucking uh, 12-part miniseries out of an unarmed black person that didn't actually do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. That's why there's no fucking Netflix show. Like, this is the Netflix show of the dark story of a 13-year-old boy who, <laughs> like, it can't because he, he, it was foul play. This isn't. This wasn't him for for twenty years eating people and putting them in this basement, and then like the cops finally like arrested him. This wasn't like, oh, he's been he had a sex cult island and was selling little kids and fucking little kids with the presidents and shit of the world and and the big people of the world. And we we tried to stop him, you know, two decades ago, but we couldn't stop him. We tried to try to stop him again, but we couldn't. When we finally got him in prison, he miraculously hung himself. Like you can't that. <laughs> We don't have those stories. The black the, the stories that involve black people, are like he stole a backpack back in 1967. Uh, it was racist as fuck back then, so we gave him a death sentence. Uh, we're really sorry. We can revisit the case right now. Kim Kardashian came to me with Trump. We're gonna let him go. 
That's that, that's our fucking <laughs> miniseries. Or there's, I guess there was the Arkell. Like there, there are the ones of the of the you know people who get really really powerful. But that's a different thing. Ugh. That's yeah, but, that's sex stuff. But R. Kelly, because of because who was he doing this to? He wasn't. Mm. He wasn't like. Uh, he didn't have white women in his basement. He had black women. We yeah, and that's why that's what a lot of people said when that came out. Is this like this is why this wasn't a bigger story because nobody cared. Care, yeah, they don't care. Like I, I remember I heard about this story. There's one story about like, all the black women like they were like either you know displaced or or you know uh, sex workers and stuff. And the '90s, late '80s, they were all getting murdered, and they mm. like, they, they didn't really care because they're like, oh well, who cares? Like they're just like prostitutes and, and drug users and stuff. And I'm like. Well, okay, these are people people getting murdered, and they were a lot of them are women of color, black women and stuff, and they just didn't care about it. And it was happening for like a decade, or decades or something. And I was like, that's a long time for serial serial murders to be occurring, and nobody trying to like stop it. Or it's really... crazy. I mean, something like that is happening with indigenous women too. Indigenous women are disappearing at record rates, and no one knows. And they just make a fucking TV show about it, and it's like, oh, this is a fun topic. And Big like, Sky. It's real. <laughs> and then they like put like one line in that's like, oh, this is might be related to the. Indigenous line. women that are, yeah, uh, it's just messed up. So okay, let's jump. The next question. You, you texted me this. You said, "Do black creators and the occasional activists actually believe that these forms of media are beneficial to white people and the general public understanding the real issues?" Are they? I think. I mean, whenever I post something, right? I think I'm tr- I'm doing something. I'm I'm putting it out there. For people to see, I mean, that's the idea, right? You want people to be mad, get mad and upset about what you're mad and upset about. Yeah. But I like, does it? Is it working? <laughs> like, I don't know. I feel like it only works on half of all white people. I I think it works if you watch it. That's why I get so frustrated when like there are particular movies and stuff that I'll even like ask you like. Have you watched this? Or have you seen this? And you're like, oh, I haven't got around to it. Or you'll kind of tell me about how to make you feel uncomfortable. I'm like, well, if you don't watch it, then who will? Like, yeah. I, I I know the fucking racist kids from that I went to school with in, in high school who are still fucking racist as fuck and, and, and delusional and probably believe in QAnon. Like, I know they're not going to fucking watch it. But at least the person that I break bread with and, and do a podcast with, at least he can watch it and, and open his eyes up to some to some stuff that he might have been aware of or might might help educate him a little bit more or give him give me a little more support in an area that I feel like I'm very much lacking. So like, that's why I'll be like, Oh, have you seen this A, B or C show? Right. Which are all, I mean, right now they're just all just like arbitrary made up. There's not any really thing particular I could think of. Yeah. I mean, like I, I, I think like there are times when I'm like, Oh yeah, I got to watch it. And like, I remember when they see us watching that, that was like intense. Like, yeah, like that was an experience. And I was like, everyone needs to go through this to understand how unfair that was. And there are other times where there are things where I'm like, I haven't watched it yet. I'm not ready. Yeah. It's like it's hard with entertainment because it's like you're trying to pick something that like. Like we I think the 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 way that art and entertainment have gotten intertwined is is kind of fucking things up. Like, I think there needs to be a time where, like, this is, like, educational. Like, we're going to learn. Like, it might not necessarily be entertaining in the way that we're used to. Yeah. I, I always actually wonder about that. Like, 
at, when did they stop? Like, what movies are still considered now to be, like, things that kids watch in fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade? You know how we all have to watch, like, Old Yeller and shit? Like, yeah. what, is there anything that's modern that's also being brought into the curriculum? Or do they just still stick with those old-ass fucking movies? Because I don't know. the thing is, they show us those fucking movies as children, and that gets instilled in us, like, that's the way things are. So I have to watch these Old Yeller-ass movies and stuff as a little black kid in a predominantly white school, and those movies are made in the time where black people were treated like shit worse than they were today so you you showing me some bullshit you know what i'm saying like yeah. i have to read these books like you gotta you gotta deal with like going with the wind type shit that depicts me in a really fucked up way as a kid and that's all the only reference we really get when they when we should be seeing a couple different things you know i didn't i've heard some people got to read like beloved and shit when they were in like in school i'm like that's yeah i've i read that in high school yeah my school in bakersfield california would be like hell no we ain't read no goddamn beloved <laughs> like we, they not doing that shit yeah i i yeah i think it's just the zip code you know yeah. it's the school district but at i that wonder point. if modern things are being brought into the curriculum i don't now. know and probably not at the rate that they should be. Although I think that there's a lot of things that people are doing now in school, you know, probably like innovating in the private school sector where they're like, we're going to have a class for second graders. It's all on racial, like, you know, racism and, and racial discrepancy, all this stuff. And I'm like, whoa, like it, I'm sure it's, it's, there's a lot going on there. Um, yeah. well, okay. So let's talk about like the audience. So, okay. Of black trauma of black trauma. So like, we have is the audience black people because the people who experience it are still alive and it can save a few delu- delusional Gen Z kids. <laughs> that's it. That's what you texted. Or is the audience white people? Because if we can't get you all to take a real life video of George Floyd and the countless others being killed, why seriously, why would a fictional after school special be any different? Yeah. Well, like if we, if we did start showing these in school, you know, for younger kids, do you think it would make a difference? I think so. I think if you're, if it was in if there's ever discussion about like if you're in a government class or you're in a class about like social issues or something whether it's high school, junior high or college, yes, they should be talking about this and watching these things because my thing is but I don't think it's actually going to do anything. Like I I want to be honest with myself and say that I personally don't believe it's going to do much because we physically see George Floyd get killed on camera. We physically see um Shit, I keep forgetting his name. We physically see Adam Toledo get shot and killed. Only a year older than Tamir Rice. Yeah. This is this has happened before. They continually keep killing these little fucking kids with that they say either had a gun at one point, didn't have a gun, it's a real gun, it's a fake gun. But anyway, they keep doing this thing, and so we physically see this stuff, and it doesn't it doesn't change much in our country. So if the real actual murders don't change anything, why would uh them putting, you know, Daniel Kaluuya as one of the characters like suddenly change our heart. Like now we see him like, oh, like when they actually fucked up the Black Panthers and killed everybody and all that stuff like that. I was like, mm, maybe. But then after I saw the movie again on HBO, like the fake fictitious reenactment, I was like, oh, this is a real issue. Like, nah. I think though that that it does help. Like, like I know that that sounds kind of silly, but like, I think if people could see that it's like so much pain that's caused and dwelt on it and, and how it's like a human experience that they can understand, but you just have to be like open to that. I don't know how to open people up. Maybe that's what but you're talking why about. Why do you guys need that much 
explanation to understand because so it's so indoctrinated the other way dude like it's like uh, like w- all i learned about black panthers in school was that it was like a militant group in the 60s that is all and i you learned believe that because i was a fucking kid but you, i went but out then, of my way to learn more about it afterwards you didn't ask yourself why the kkk was still around but the black panthers weren't when you knew both of them were militant groups no why not because i guess i, I didn't think it affected me that's the thing is we're so selfish and we don't and we don't care about things but, that we don't think affect but us. Then, see, if, they, if you have that mentality and someone pops up out of nowhere and kills your ass, I'd be like, well, good riddance, because you thought that nothing was going to fucking affect you. And that's why your ass got blindsided. That's what like, I'm not saying just to you. Yeah, that's I'm, what that's what happens, though. That's what happens all the time in America. And we keep getting blindsided and blindsided and blindsided again. No, you only can be blindsided once. The second time you're an ignorant fool. Well, that's the whole country. Got our hands over our eyes and our ears, our fingers in our ears. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say ears on our fingers. I just, it, it's just, it's so, it's just so frustrating to me because like I, I, I get there's like a weird way how information was delivered to us as kids and stuff, but at some point you got to be curious. We over here yeah. burning ants and shit and doing all this other curious shit, playing with the peepees and the booty holes and all that stuff as kids. Why can't you be curious with social issues and be like, wait a minute, mom, dad. Why aren't there uh, any black Disney characters other than this one guy? Like, why does nobody ever ask that? Why does a little kid ever ask, like, Mom, Dad, one of my best friends is from China. His family's from China. And I realized that, like, nobody looks like him in any of the, our textbooks and stuff like that. Is Why not? Does he Is he going to be able to, like, like it just like I like it? Is it, like, like yeah. why would you never ask yourself that? Like, that's just, it's like, it's almost like you're taught to be ignorant. I, I feel like y'all are taught to be ignorant. It's not naturally. Yeah, it's I think like, so. It's like it's like it's unfair. I think if you're if you're cordoned off in a certain like let's say you're in a gated community and yeah. like your you know all of your TV characters that you look at look like you and all of your people around you look like you and you're told all all the history the characters in the history book look like you. You, you don't question things outside of yourself until you physically interact with them. And I think, like, I can only speak from my own experience, but, like, when I physically had people to interact with that were different than me, that's when I learned things and that's when I started to understand them for myself outside of the bubble that I was in. Because we talk about social media bubbles. I think there was one bubble prior to social media and that was the white supremacy bubble. But see, that can't be the case because if I was there... I was physically the one black kid at the, all these schools. That means that every time I went to one of those schools, each one of those white kids, whether it's 500, 1,000, or whatever the, the number of students at that school, each one of them all should be able to have to, to dig deeper into race relations because they'd be like, oh, there is a black guy at my school. There is a black kid in my class. Well, how many of those kids were the ones that reached out to you and said, oh, hey, I'm sorry for this one thing I did to you in sixth grade? Yeah, I mean, some of them did reach out to me. Because that was the first time they ever fucking thought about it after June. But that's what what you're saying that you can't, you you don't think about it until it's presented to you. I was presented to the motherfuckers when when I was in second grade. Not now. You, you, You realizing it now is too late. I could be dead already. Like it's like, that but, but make if any you're sense. one, I guess like that's where numbers come in, right? Like if you're one kid out of a thousand out of 2000, like not everyone's going to have a meaningful interaction with you or you're going to change their life. 
But you never, nothing ever came up. Your whole, all that time, you never. Or it came your, up your and parents, no one ever talked about it. And it was guilt and there you have guilt about it and I, you had shame and you left it in the closet. Bull, I just say bullshit. I, even to this day, I still know that there's been a conversation at your little white family table where y'all were like, you know, um, this one neighborhood is really dangerous. Or, you know, I this one black person at my job said this and I didn't really know how to, to, to deal with it. But I don't, and like, I know you, I know you guys have discussed things that you probably don't want, like with your friend groups, with you, is you and a bunch of white guy friends. I know you guys probably said like, oh, this one time or this rap lyric or this, thing. there had to be something you guys are discussing things that don't necessarily to deal with you and out of curiosity. Yeah. Actually, like Chappelle show is a great example. That was something that as a freshman kid, we were exposed to a bunch of white kids. Yeah. Not not probably the best way to interact with, but like, you know, like being fucking 13 and learning all this like shit to repeat. That's not good, but it does open your eyes to shit. Now, all of a sudden, you I hadn't thought about the KKK until I saw um, Dave Chappelle being the black Klansman. It took you that long? Probably. I don't have a memory of it right now that I can I, think of. Uh... It's Other so than envious. that's fucked up that people did that when we learned about it in the history books. I can never have my youth back. I can never, I can never truly get to enjoy the bliss of ignorance ever, ever. When you look at people who are in gangs, when you look at people who are fucked up in the prison system, when you look at people who don't know how to uh, interact with police correctly and they might be a black man, I, you, I can empathize. Because I grew up in a white neighborhood with both parents in an affluent area, and I still felt like my innocence was taken away. All I thought about, whether it was once a week, twice a week, or every fucking day, was something to do with, like, oh, well, don't say this because you're going to sound too black. Don't do this because you're going to sound too angry. Don't do this because you're going to get in trouble. I had teachers at a, a Question if I was smart enough to be in this class. I've had teachers told me that I can't check out chapter books because they don't know if I'll be able to read it properly. Uh, I've had, you know, like teachers want to hold me back just because I don't like speak up in class more often than other kids. Like there's, there's these situations fucking hit me, slap me in the face all the fucking time. But you want to you gonna sit here and tell me that y'all never think about it. But then how are y'all racist to people? If you if you never think about race, how can you be racist to other people? How can you say prejudice shit? That means you were thinking about it. Yeah. You were only thinking about the negative parts though. That yeah. that like that that's what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. If if y'all completely were oblivious and you're like, I don't think about the KKK, I don't think about the Black Panther, I don't think about none of that, then literally, uh, you would never you would like a black person could walk by and you're like, hi, and that's it. Because you're like, I'm not thinking about race. I'm not thinking about it. But no, your ass flinches up and grabs your purse and cushions all that. Where did that come from? That came from the times, all the times you're talking about black people. So you keep thinking about us because you're afraid of our asses, but you don't think about us and our pain and our sadness and our trauma and all that. That's like, that's not fair. You're only, you're only thinking about us in a, in a fear aspect or how we can hurt you or harm you or get our revenge. Well, it, think about how the news impacts that all the time. Yeah. Even how they cover the Black Lives Matter protests and how they talk about, you know, oh, like looters and violence and all this shit. Ugh. Like, 
like just the way that they covered. I mean, it even was fucking me up when I first started watching it. When uh, and we were like getting kind of upset, like, oh yeah, people are like looting, like that's messed up. But like who, at the end of the day, who the fuck cares? Like I was only caring about it because I had their voices in my head telling me I should care but about it. You can see the video. It was all was everybody. Yeah, it was a, like tons of people. It didn't matter. Jake was, Paul, right? Or no, Logan Paul. Didn't Logan no, Paul no, get in Jake, trouble? Cause it was he, Jake Paul. Oh, it was Jake? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, a rich white boy was in the in there looting stuff. Yeah. And see, because what every, the fuck else? Everybody. You, yeah. So like, my thing is like, I just it just it's I'm just so frustrated that like white people never think about black trauma, but yet. Black trauma is so predominantly in the in the media sphere. Like, yes, you do. Well, yes, you do. You do know about it. You have to because Roots is old. Yeah. Going with the wind is old. I'm maybe giving a not very well-rounded um, perspective here on on how deeply embedded like black trauma is in the education system because we did learn about slavery and in media. Like, yeah. I no, saw you're, roots. You're giving honest answers, like, though. The like, thing is, at the end of the day, you can it rolls off your, your shoulders. Yeah, because you don't think of it when you're ignorant. You don't think of it affecting you. You think, wow, that's really horrible. That happened to someone else. Yeah. Six million people died in World War II. That number doesn't mean anything. Four, five hundred thousand people died in like from COVID. That number starts to not mean anything to you because it wasn't you. But when you know one person who died in either of those situations. Then it starts to mean something. But you probably do. Of everyone does. Everyone you know does. Six degrees at least. Yeah. That's a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. But like you it has to like be something that you can rationalize and like It shouldn't. My thing, I guess where I'm getting at is that that should not be the case. Oh yeah, it's fucked up. We we should not I don't need to know uh someone from this particular country to feel bad for a situation that they're going through. I don't need to be like, because that logic is like, well, I need to know a black person or I need to be black to fully understand the black experience and be able to fight for black people the way that black people want to be fought for. No, because then that's that all men can basically be like, I'm sorry, I will never be able to talk about women's issues or discuss women at all unless I am a woman. Dude, think about but yet you fucking have the laws and decide what they can do with their vagina. What the fuck? Yeah. I thought y'all said y'all can't involve yourself with shit you don't know nothing about. And think about how and think about how that was always like the media's like like the way that they were talking about um, men and women's relations like up until like the 2000s or like the 1970s like like. Think about male comedians that we grew up with, predominantly white male comedians that were all like, oh, yeah, my wife, she's such a bitch, like all this shit, you know, like yeah. like that shit that we grew up with, that shit that I grew up with in my head that I have to unlearn. It's so frustrating. But see, you got to, but you just know those people are garbage. Yeah, I've known they're trash for years, <laughs> but like, but like it took a minute, like, yeah. it, you know, like because all that those people like they're always talking about all this like. I mean, you know, everyone's talking shit. I'm just, I just sound like an old person, but yeah, like, I mean, this episode, I was like, it's just, it's very much like us, like in our curmudgeon state where we're like, it's, it's true. It's apart. true. Cause like, you know, um, but as far as like trauma in the media, I mean, that's what we're talking about here. Like I, I, I personally think trauma stories were supposed to wake up the moderate because that's what's why they call it being woke, you know, like kind of like drawing connections between ideas and characters people can relate to so that they feel like it's happening to them. Like, Fuck the moderate. Well, yeah, but you, you need somebody to do you know, something. No, I'm, I'm, I'm mad because moderate means that you're a punk bitch. 
I'm sorry. If like if at some point you considered yourself moderate, I apologize if you if you're taking that personally. But also if anyone is listening, if you consider yourself moderate, like I'm gonna apologize if it hurts your feelings, but I'm, I, when I said what I fucking said, like yeah. it means you're a punk. Because at the end of the day, what are you dancing on the fence for? You're dancing on the fence for because you know that the person that's too far over on the right might is wrong, and that is not okay. But you don't want to go too far over to the left because you're scared that the people on the right are going to group you up with the people that they already hate. Mm. So therefore, you are a punk. Yeah, that's why you're in the middle. To only to 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 stand in the middle and be like I cannot take sides means that you understand what both sides stand for. Which if one side is good, why aren't you going to the good side? Or if one side is not good, but it's the side that's being oppressed or it's the side that's being subjugated the most, why are you not giving them the support so that they can have an equal playing field with the with the dominant side? Yeah, like you know you you know which one is is weaker. You're like, but no, I need to, I need to, I'm going to weigh out my options here. I'm going to, I'm going to play this one out. Yeah. I know this is the 4,000th black person, unarmed black person that's been killed by cops, but I really need to see all the facts before I jump into this. And it's like, nigga, there are no more facts. Everybody dead. Like, I don't know what else <laughs> to tell you. Yeah. So like, the, I mean, I, the thing is like, these things that I have pet peeves for are established and are not going any fucking weird. Yeah. So I have to deal with it. Like yeah. the idea of the moderate is, 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 is true. And what you are saying is true that, yeah, these things are to, to sway them, but I, I just don't trust them at this point. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump exists because of the moderate. Yeah. I think that's 100% Joe true. Joe Biden won over, which is fine with me, but Joe Biden won, wins over Bernie Sanders because of the moderate. Mm-hmm. Black people on the street get killed with their knee by knees while everybody's watching because of the moderate. Because yeah. they were moderately watching a man being murdered. Yeah. They could have they went, went far left or far right. They could have said, he's a fucking cop. George, listen to what he's telling you. They could have went that way. Or they, and then Blue Lives Matter. Or they could have said far left, like, we're going to push this cop off of him and I might die too, but I'm going to save this nigga life. But Damn. no, they, t- they, t- they took neither, and now Derek Chauvin is going to go to prison, or if not, his life is ruined forever. George Floyd is dead because yeah. you stayed in the middle. Yeah. Both people's lives are ruined now. That's what happens when you, when you want to ignore the person burning down the house and the person in the burning house. Because you don't want to get involved. Now somebody burned somebody up and killed someone and another person is dead. That's what happens when your ass stays in the moderate. That's what happens when your ass stays in the middle. I cannot survive with the moderate. I cannot survive with the middle. I am not in the middle. I can never be in the middle. I can never be in the moderate. I am black. You guys have established that that is bad a long fucking time ago. We have established that globally that that is not a good thing. I'm a black man, which puts two uh, things on me. It makes me more violent and dangerous to you and and a threat to you. So I cannot be like, oh, but I'm a moderate black person officer so like I'm good to go because you know I don't take any sides he's like nigga I ain't never said nobody taking a side I'll put this I'll put you on the side when I pulled your ass over you are getting arrested or killed there is no there is no discussion so that's why I think I have such an issue with moderate because black people are not allowed to be there that is why we have such a struggle that's why I have such a struggle because if I say I don't want to deal talk about it I go immediately to people who just want to ignore the issues, and I, I go to, like, 
uh, internalized racism and I go to like I just want to be white and all this shit. Like if if I if if I don't if I don't go out there and protest and become the most blackest person I can become, then I am whitewashed or and I and I'm and I completely turn my back on my people. Mm. It's one it's one or the other. We don't we don't get a middle ground. Yeah. Well, you're not given a choice. Yeah. Like if you if you wanted to just or if you were able to just live your life without having to fucking care about or deal with any of this shit and none of this shit would actually affect you, you probably would say yes. Like it, like if it could go away. Yeah. Like and not be an issue like it is for white people. Yeah. Like you would probably say yes. But because you are not given that choice by society. What the fuck else? What else, uh, choice do you have? And this could be, you know, this could be applied to a lot of different other like situations you know whether you're a woman or you know not cisgendered or maybe you know not heterosexual Mm -hmm. things like there's always different different identities that some that in particular situations automatically doesn't allow you to be like in the moderate or the middle ground or not take a side or in the gray area yeah very clearly or this point blank period put on one side so that's why i i ultimately believe when we have these traumatic stories that are retold whether through movies, television, Netflix, whatever the fuck it may be, just news and social media reposts. It's like it's it's yes, it may be geared towards to to make the moderate like wake up, but what happens when the people who were forced to be on the other side see it? Mm. We are we just it's that just that just beats us down even more. But then, you know, as the white person trying to not be moderate, posting something or sharing something or standing up for shit like what are they supposed to do with that what are they supposed to how are they supposed to take that because they don't want to trigger you just put on the close friends of 25 white people they know and send it to them (laughs) they're most like you know questionable friends for me i don't think i don't think posting the videos was triggering for me what's triggering for me is when people post a video but i know them like i know Mm. who you really are Mm. and so like i i've had friends like still come come like they'll come for me and be like you know get very aggressive like mike you don't like you need to understand there's a lot going on fucking right now and like there's the people in the streets have you protested have you been out there i'm like do you hear your fucking self do you know what it feels like for a white person a white man to be yelling at me about why am i not going to go protest Mm. Like, nigga, you must be crazy. Like, so like, if like, you're literally become you, be, you become the person that you that you were so afraid to become. Because how like, so? I because I I think I think if you if you you dangle in the moderate long enough, uh, priv- white supremacy, white privilege is in the power position. Mm-hmm. Which means they have more resources, more history, more technology, and more governmental power to sway whoever the fuck they want. If they can't sway you, they'll force you there. Mm. So if you are a white man, that's a moderate white man, your vote goes to the majority. Yeah. Your 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 uh, indifference goes to the majority. So like you like they, these these white friends or whatever has stayed out of it for so long. Now when this George Floyd protest and stuff happen, the way how they ex, ex, exert their anger and frustration, all it ends up becoming is just another form of white supremacy, because that's what's in control. That's what that's what that's what all we know. You literally just told me you grew up your whole life not knowing all this shit. So 
why would I think that you know what the fuck you're doing now today when you when you blow when you blow the fuck up? And I'm like, uh-uh, I don't want to hear what you're about to say because you're because you coming from like three weeks of uh of understanding. So yeah. you're gonna say some shit that's off the wall. You know, not not you per se, but but like just. I mean, general. I'm sure me too. Yeah. You know, I'm sure I said twenty things that were off the wall this episode. No, nah, you you're fine. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm coming for you more than more than you need to be come, came for. No, but I think it's that's fine. Like that, like. Yeah, you're that's my, fine. Remember, you're my sample size. I'm the like, sample. Yeah, <laughs> I'm happy to. I'm happy to represent white America until someone more qualified than me shows up. I, no, okay. So now here's the here's the part that's gonna get juicy, and I'm and I can't believe I'm even fucking saying this, but yeah. I think that there is a problem too with how we as black people allow, accept, and also present black trauma to onto ourselves and onto the community. We we do have there are moments where we have control of the narrative, and then once we get the control of that narrative, we choose black trauma, and that's frustrating for me. Okay, how so? That's I'm saying that's that's movies, that's mm. that's television and stuff like that. Where we where where black people are like you know oh I'm gonna make a movie, I'm gonna make a mini series or something like that, and it's gonna be about the black plight, and it's gonna have people getting hung and lynched and raped and all kinds of stuff, and we're gonna show people what we go through, and it's like, um, but don't you think that like all you gotta do is piece together a bunch of news stories you want to show them that you didn't have to go spend. 12, 10 million dollars on on recreating a movie to show them that you could get that shit from from newspaper clippings. So like you you spent all that money and power to remind who of what to remind white people they're in power. But I gotta push back on that because what if they those were the only stories that white people bought? Because at the end of the day, the majority of the people with the money in Hollywood are white. White or international. Yeah, okay. Now, that, might, that might be happening. Once it gets to the fucking, you know, to the drawing board and once it gets to the, the boardroom and they're pitching it, they only, the only movies that they say cool on and, and green light are the ones about Harriet Tubman and the ones about uh, Solomon Northup getting thrown into, into slavery. Yeah, and think like, about it. You have, like, you have like five pitches. Four out of five of them are not black trauma stories. One out of the five is because you're like, well, fuck it, man. I want to sell something, so I'm going to put it all in here. Guess what Hollywood jumps on? Number five. Ooh, this is juicy. We haven't seen anything like this before because we're fucking racist and we only take pictures from white people like me over here. And and they're like, ooh, yeah, this is good. This will sell. And then they jump on that. And then that's what you're making because you want to have a living. Yeah. But I, <laughs> <laughs> that can happen. But I will say without saying any names because I, I, my thing is like I don't want to knock anybody. I appreciate every single person that has come before me. And I appreciate all the things that they have all the doors that they have open and windows they have cracked open and shit like that. Yeah. So I mean, cool disclaimers out the way, but I will say there are some people that do have the capability, the money, the resources, the studios and the, and the information to put anything that they want out there. And when they get that choice and that opportunity, they put out movies that somehow have all these weird twists in it that like, just to pick black trauma in 12 different ways that was unnecessary. If the movie is about uh, a family barbecue, we don't need 
uh, yeah, the sister was raped when she was 12 years old and she gave birth to this boy and she thought it was her brother and that also the dad was sleeping with another man while he was married to the wife and, and then he beats the wife and then the, the dad throws the kids out the window. All this shit happened. I'm like, the producer of this movie was black? The director of this movie was black? The studio that presented this movie was black? You guys could have done something differently. A white man did not okay this. Maybe, maybe somewhere down the line, maybe he did, but... Y'all can, y'all can do anything you want. There's a movie, actually, an example of this, an uh, example of the opposite is this movie came out with Octavia Spencer and Mich- Melissa McCarthy, like the Thunder mm. Thunder Force. Yeah, I've heard I about that. I watched that shit. It was h- funny as fuck. I didn't even know it was out. Yeah, it's funny as hell because in this movie... Octavia Spencer is a super smart uh, girl growing up, and and Melissa McCarthy, her character when they were younger, she was kind of like you know, like a bad girl, degenerate, kind of like you know, fast and stuff, partying all that. But they're best friends, and they have a falling out. They get back together when they're older, and uh, long story short, they end up becoming like superheroes. And that's awesome. It's just it's great because the whole movie I didn't even notice till the movie was over. I was like, wait a minute. They ain't never said nothing about Octavia Spencer being like black. Like you, you, you feel that like because she is, but that never was any case. They never, we never talked about that. We never talked about her being black. We never talked about their weight. All that felt normal to me, and I didn't even care about that. Like all that, all that was it. All that made me feel more comfortable watching it because I could relate to them. Because I was just like, this is just, this is just like a nerdy superhero movie. Like, and it's but it takes two older women, you know, like and, and like that, like can be seen more as like motherly positions or something like that. But now they're playing like superheroes, and that's really funny. Yeah. And I was like, see, you can do it. Yeah, because there's no excuse. Like, you can't like, she, uh, oh, ooh. oh my god! Yeah, wow. You can't do it. Like Octavia Spencer doesn't have to be a maid. She can be. She can be other stuff. Well, okay. So like we talked about this period where what was it? Like three movies all came out in a row that yeah. were like you know made Octavia Spencer's career you know elevated Viola Davis again, and then you know put Chiwetel Ejiofor on the map for people who didn't know Chiwetel because he is. The best. All of the yeah, all these yeah. motherfuckers have been yeah. acting for years. Yeah, that are this. all epic, but then <laughs> all of a sudden they got you know their recognition, with the exception of I think Doubt came out before this. But there was Help, uh, the Help. Then yeah. there was um, Twelve Years a Slave, mm-hmm. and what was the third one? There was a third one, right? In well, we I I have written down here Precious, Precious. So in 2009, Monique won for, for Precious. And we okay. know in that movie, woo, she had snot. She was, it was fucked up. It was crazy. Yeah. And everybody loved it. Oh my God. But like the way they depicted these women was, was terrible. I understand that's a based on a book novel pushed by Sapphire. <laughs> but they, again, they somebody blind. picked that movie, that novel to be uh, adapted. Yeah. Somebody bought it. But where's all of the, like, I don't have, I seen, I haven't seen one movie yet uh, based on an Octavia Butler book. Unless I unless I'm fucking going crazy. Have you seen one? No, I don't think so. No, right? When it comes to like science fiction and fantasy and stuff, we also we don't want to fucking deal with that. Maybe it's out there, maybe there's not that big of a deal. But yeah. like those kinds of things I don't see. But oh make sure you got you got the one about the, the abusive mother and the and the girl having babies with her father type of shit. Mm-hmm. Um so then uh, we have 2011. Octavia Spencer. She won for the help, and we already know what the help is about. We already everybody is already pissed off about that. Cool, but even watching that, I was like, oh, they made sure this movie fucking got made. Mm-hmm. They love this movie, and sure, uh, Hidden Figures comes out after it, but the help still came before it. 
So like that that's uh I, if it wasn't for the help and it wasn't for fences and it wasn't for twelve years a slave. Lapita Nyong'o, Viola Davis, Octavia Spencer wouldn't have been taken serious. They had to go through like this black trauma, like preliminary period to be like, oh, like an obstacle course of black trauma. (laughs) Yeah. Now you can now we'll recognize you guys for other movies and let you play other roles. It's it's frustrating because like I I get that the Academy Awards and Golden Golden Globes stuff celebrate that for a lot of women. They they treat women like badly when it comes to winning these awards. Yeah, like definitely. Nicole Kidman and, and and Reese Witherspoon and you know um, Sandra Bullock on them. They be winning when they the minute they don't have no makeup on and stuff, and they white husband cheat on them in the movie. They win an award. But I will also say though that all those same women have got to play the hot starlet, the cute, the the, the femme fatale, the beautiful woman too. Mm-hmm. So, yes, they won an Academy Award for playing fucked up characters, but then we also remember them for just being the hot the hot woman in a, in a movie, you know, 10 years before that. Mm. But we don't... How many times have we watched a movie and been like, oh my gosh, that one movie where Viola Davis is like a seductress? No, don't get to see that. What about the movies like, oh, that one movie where Whippy Goldberg, she was like, like all these men were just falling after her and she was like just... just Falling in love with all these different men. No, we didn't get to see that one either. But damn, yeah. Or uh, it, uh, I, well, I would say Lupita Nyong'o, but Lupita Nyong'o has Black Panther, where she gets to be. I mean, she's a very cool character in that, but she's kind of like the romantic lead. But Black Panther, yeah. Black Panther changed uh, everything. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Black Panther changed everything. They made yeah. they made all these women like just beautiful. It was like. I couldn't handle that movie. I just even yeah. talking about it, it makes me hot and bothered. Because <laughs> Dora Milaje, I was like, Lord Jesus, have mercy on my soul. If they came for me, I'd be like, take me. Arrest my ass. I don't care. Them, them spears, them bald heads, the armor, all that shit was beautiful. They yeah. looked gorgeous. Yes, and I can't. I mean, we, can't, we can't even talk about that. All them colors and shit. Black Panther was... See, that was some new shit. Yeah. But at, at, at the end of the day... Like Lupita Nyong'o, her seductress role was in Twelve Years a Slave, and that yeah. was she was not elegant or cute. Yeah. So like that's that's what that's what hurts me. They don't get to play both. So speaking of Lupita Nyong'o, she was in Us by Jordan Peele. Mm-hmm. Jordan Peele also did Get Out. Get yes. Out was an awesome film. You know, played with horror and thriller elements, but does it count as black trauma? Okay, so we're gonna talk. We're gonna discuss both of these here. We're okay. gonna discuss Get Out and Us. Okay, Get Out. There are moments of it that deal with black trauma, but there's a difference between a psychological thriller horror movie that like is like, oh, this guy gets uh, taken in by a white suburban family that he thinks is just his girlfriend's parents, but then they actually are killers. Um, and they're actually going to try to like take my body and they just try to take black people's bodies. That to me is not black trauma, like in the same way, uh, watching 12 Years a Slave and we're just watching black people get beaten and dragged and mistreated and raped and stuff. That mm. That is violent and gratuitous. Get Out wasn't gratuitous. Now, now if they spent a whole 30 minutes of the movie and they're just, and they, they got him in the basement and they're whipping him and doing all kinds of weird stuff and putting him in chains and stuff, I'd be like, wow, what the fuck, Jordan Peele? But that didn't happen. Mm. It was it was it was sophisticated and still presented in a very original story storyline that that was based off of how kind of relationships happen uh, with black people and black friends in predominantly white groups. That that it was like it was a caricature of that. 
Yeah. So I won't say it's black trauma. Now, I do know that I've seen some people say that us is black trauma. And this is where I have a problem. Because us has nothing to do with black people. At all. Yeah. It's just a family. It's just a family. And she just so happened to got switched over by her... Uh, well, that's giving too much away. <laughs> but she just... I mean, so, spoiled the... Yeah. Get out. Yeah. Yeah. She, I mean, yeah. yeah, I'm spoiling these movies. I don't give a fuck. If you ain't seen them, you're racist. Uh, so, <laughs> but anyway... She, in that movie, she's like she just gets swapped. Whatever, it's like a doppelganger type movie type shit. Whatever, yeah. she gets stolen and type things like that. So like it, it could have been a white woman. It could have been an Asian woman. It could have been a Latina woman. It could have been anything. It didn't. That didn't matter. They never in once in the movie said, "Oh yes, the black girl or the little uh, African American woman or the African woman." Like they never brought that. That that was irrelevant. So that's not a black trauma movie. Anything that happened to them that was traumatic in the movie was just traumatic. Yeah, I think that, that's just a traumatizing movie. It's a traumatizing movie. Yeah, with all the scary shit going on. Because if we gonna if we gonna call every movie with black people in it that something bad happens to them, black trauma, that's some bullshit. Because then that 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 falls in the same group to me. Where like I'm worried if I make a movie where it's like, oh, this is a movie with black characters in it and it's fantasy. They go, oh, have you guys seen that black fantasy movie? And I make mm. a movie that's science fiction with robots and aliens. They're like, oh, you see that black sci-fi movie? And I make a movie with like ro- with a couple and it's romance. And like, oh, did you see that black romance movie? And I'm like, okay, now. Motherfucker. Yeah. (laughs) That is just racism. Yeah. So black trauma is not anything that has traumatic events that have black people in it. To me, this, what I think black trauma is when it's, it's gratuitous, doesn't serve, doesn't fully serve the story or is unnecessary. Mm -hmm. Like it's a story that doesn't need to be told that, that graphically. Uh, It's a, it's enough for us to, to just get the, the, just a, a, a gist of what's going on or like a reference to to the the bad things that are happening especially if it's historical and we actually know the true events we don't need all the detail like mm-hmm. imagine if they did the oj uh they retold you know they did like the oj's uh, movie like four or five times yeah imagine if they did that and they spent a whole episode or a whole 30 minutes on the actual murder and he's just like you just see him like you see or whoever it is they don't know it's probably we still don't know who killed him today you know quotations mm-hmm. but uh imagine if they show the murder that's mm-hmm. that's when it becomes like trauma when it's like unnecessary trauma because why did you do all of that we don't need all of that we know yeah. or if it's a movie we're like oh this movie is based on a story of a child who's molested and then they grew up to become like a very like traumatic like traumatized person but then the movie spends the first hour in the movie just showing this kid getting molested over and over again that's horrible that's 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 unnecessary trauma yeah that's where the problem is for me when it comes to black trauma when we when it's like you don't need to show like we don't need this guy hanging from a tree for five ten minutes in this movie who the fuck is that for and then you got these actors that accept these roles where they're like, oh, nigger this and nigger that. And they you know, and they're super racist and stuff. And I'm like, I get they're playing a the character, but like, did you, how could you be comfortable even playing that role? I'll be like, I'm good. I don't want to do this. Just as much as people like don't want to do nudity and stuff and don't want to do like certain roles that are too uh, dangerous and involve too many stunts. I'm like, I don't want to do this role. It's too racist. No. Like, but apparently that's not the case. They'd be down for it. So. I think they were. I think like the, now that more people are aware of it, I think there's more people who are going to be like, nah. Nah, this is not necessary. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Well, what about um, Misha Green's show Lovecraft Country? Because I think about like the black trauma elements of this, and I think about what about when it's a black trauma movie that's directed by a white person. So like I think about Pul- Color Purple and uh-huh. Steven Spielberg directing that. 
He also directed Watchmen. Schindler's List. And then Misha Green, the, the original story was written by a white guy. Yeah. Well, that's why I threw in Watchmen, too, because Watchmen was directed like a show run by a white man. Oh, yeah. And it has a lot of racial stuff in it. Yeah, that's uh, a good, another good one. So this is what this is the things that like I like I can give a it's like I'm not giving it a pass but I'm like it's it's necessary it's, st- it's still a story untold is because a lot of those are women woman led mm-hmm. like uh, Lovecraft Country she took it back yeah so she certainly she, did she, yeah she took control of she took it back she took this white man's story and like okay let me put my touches on it coming from a woman's perspective a black woman's perspective and then you know a bunch of other black women also helping with writers yeah and so like that that changes the whole dynamic and that's the reason why even it probably didn't even feel as traumatic as it should have it, it, to me it felt it felt like it was it was fed to us in a, in a way that was like caring where it was like I'm gonna I'm gonna show you some stuff that's really hard first episode second episode stuff things think they hit us hard with some shit but yeah. then they like caressed us a little bit and was like all right now I'm gonna bring you I'm gonna like ease you into the story and show you some horror things and stuff like that but it's like it's being spoon fed to us in a, in a way that seems considerate of the black experience because it is the people from the black experience driving it yeah. That's why she don't probably want to see that. She don't want to feel it that way. It's it's, it's being presented to us nicely, mm-hmm. like and, and and creatively and and artistically. But then, uh, I can say the same thing for uh, like insecure. I may destroy you. All these things that went white, black women and like Letty. You can tell it's being delivered to us in a in a very caring and considerate way. Now, I I will I, will, I can't say that. Like I love Watchmen, and I uh, what was the other one you said? Uh, Watchmen, and then uh, Steven Spielberg doing Color Purple. There you go, Color Purple. So Color Purple, okay. Uh, <laughs> and there's also that new show, Them. And and them, which yeah. was written by uh, Little Marvin, but then all the directors all you directors, showed me this were all white guys except were, for one person. All white, all white guys, which is and interesting. It, when you see, but when I see that, I'm like, that's why the episode was the whole episode was just gut wrenching. There was no, there was no reward. There was no Hippolyta. None of that. They ain't giving no, it was no hip a lot of shit in there. It was just, no, nigga, you just, it was just episode two of, of Loud Care Country. If you understand the reference, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it, yeah, was just, it was just hitting you with just pain, 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 pain. No redemption. That's that's the kind of shit that I'm like, I, that's how I know it was made by someone who does who hasn't physically experienced this because, or does ha, doesn't have a relationship with, with the trauma. Like an actual personal relationship, because it's just it just it's fed to us in such an aggressive way, mm. where it's like I want to slap you in the face with racism, I want to slap you in the face with the trauma, because it's gonna shake shit up, and it's like, I, you know, I also could just happen to me walking down the street. I don't need this movie for you to have to happen, and like maybe it might be jolting for someone like you, or maybe yeah. the the junior high version of you, but it's. It, yeah, it's, it's, there's a huge difference. So I, I when it comes to Misha Green and it comes to, to black people leading those black traumatic stories, I am a little more forgiving because they're going to tell it in a way that hasn't been told before, and they're going to tell it in a way that is that is considerate. Yeah. The other guys, not so much. Fuck that. We don't need it. Throw it away. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, black, like, it doesn't make sense to me that white guys... Or white men are like, oh, well, we can't put black people in these leading roles because, like, we don't understand the black experience. But then they're like, but I can make a movie about slavery. <laughs> yeah, what the <laughs> what? fuck? 
You can't. You can't. You you don't think that but anybody can relate to the black guy, so you won't put the black guy as a superhero. But you're like, I don't, because I can't write that story. But oh, I can write a story about the black guys growing up in Chicago. Like I don't. That makes no sense to me. Yeah. You can only do it when it's real and not when it's fake. I don't know. Maybe because they're like, I'm I'm racist, so I, I, I understand what it's like to be racist. <laughs> yeah. I think there's some voyeur, voyeurism shit going on where you're like, oh, I don't want to write just another white guy story, but like, ooh, if I write something crazy about the black experience, that's going to be new and unique that nobody's going to know. And it's like, <laughs> like... Question. Uh, yes. Do you... Get off on black trauma because is that why your friends is me? How could I possibly answer that? I, no, <laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm like, not I'm, at all. I'm a tragic ass story, so I'm like, I'm like, anybody is my friend that's not black is probably like, oh my god, like I don't even watch like black trauma movies because Mike is just a whole traumatic fucking miniseries. Oh my god, no, I think like contrary to what some people might think, I'm a caring person. And I fucking hate that this shit is going on all the time. And it makes me very sad. So it's like hard because it's like it's easy for me to relate to it because I know you. And so like every time like I mean, this might be fucking racist to say, but every time I think about all of this shit going on, I think about you. No, that's fine. Like the same thing is like if you see like news stories about like a little girl and you have a daughter or something. Yeah. Like it's like I relate to it because I have a personal connection to it. So... Like, to me, that's where I care about it and I'm invested in it and I'm invested in it changing. Whether or not I get off on it, I mean, I, the, I'll, I'll tell you, like, I there's times where I would see violent movies, nothing to do with race, and, you know, I'd laugh when, like, the bad guy gets, like, the comeuppance and he gets shot or something. Oh, we? I mean, I... Like Quentin I, Tarantino. Think yeah. about, like, like um, how cathartic it was to see... Hitler get killed in Inglorious Bastards, or all those racist dudes to get killed in um, Django. Oh yeah, I love the gratuitous violence. Um, that's my that's an issue for me. But that's something that's fucked up about my brain, and something that's fucked up about our society. Because yeah. I know it's not just me, but yeah. like, like I know that that was something like action movies were my favorite movies growing up as a kid. So like, some part of you has that, whether it's cultural or whatever, you know. Like, so it's like, like, I don't, I don't know. I would hope not, but yeah, it's hard to know. I mean, America has a fascination with violence just in general. So I'm deflecting it and blaming it on America. I mean, it's shit. It's America's <laughs> fault at the end of the day. It don't matter. You can yeah. deflect it all you want. But yeah, I mean, I, I struggle with, 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 I don't even want to depict violence in, in movies anymore because it's sometimes it's just annoying me. It's a big leap. What else do we have on here? Um, oh, I forgot about this. The villain? Yeah. Let's talk about that. I feel like that's a good time. Okay. You want me to start or do you want to start it? Uh, hold on. Let me move this stuff so it doesn't get fucked up. Okay. Ooh, I can add a transition out of what we were just talking about. But all of that is like was triggered in me when I saw this uh, short from Random Acts of Flyness about White Devil. 
and just like how that's something that's like in the media and like we'll do a whole episode on that yeah that's like like a whole topic of its own but just the the characters or that i mean if everyone that writes books knows about it like the characters that we always talk about are like the the Clint Eastwood, like John Wayne type characters, yeah, which end up you know being really problematic if you really dig dig, dig th- deep through it. Yeah, it's like dark white supremacy. But that's what makes me think about like I I think that black trauma at the end of the day creates sometimes for the ignorant people, which is a lot of them, because you got to think about all these people storming the Capitol and people believing in QAnon and shit. There's yeah. a lot of those people out there that are also watching these movies, and so what do they see? And so what I, for me personally, what I feel that they see when they see black trauma, it is kind of like just telling the story of the American villain. And I, and I hate that I have to say that like that, cause I don't want it to be the truth. But to, at the end of the day, the American villain is the black man is the angry Sam Boda monkey, uh, big lip eating watermelon. You know, I was, I was, I was going to steal you. Why, master? That that guy is is was created at some point to be a caricature and a villain. And, but, we, and, that, and that's become solidified. That's what pisses me off is that, like, they use that. They've used that from the beginning of America to, to blind people to it's actually the rich people who don't barely give you shit. That are the villain. That's the real American villain. Yeah, but they've like used the racism. The yeah. They've and, always been the villains everywhere. Yeah, and they've always used racism as this like thing in America to to justify that. Yes. Okay, but like so you're saying black trauma enforces the American villain trope? Uh, or could? Yes. And and so it uh and and it remind it reminds those people who are already on the fringes, who are already off 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 the you know off their rocker with whatever they believe, they it just reinforces them that black people are dangerous. If you watch a movie like like that shows this black guy being beaten and and mistreated for years and years and years and he's angry and he wants revenge, does do you think people are gonna be like, oh my God, I understand him now and I feel bad for him. No, they're gonna be like, oh my God, he's gonna come kill me. He's going to come to my white neighborhood and he's going to murder my entire family because he's angry because of some shit we did to his ancestors. That's what that's what a lot of people I feel like are getting from the black trauma, which is not cute. And then when people just when people rehash it or retell it or when even when black people get their hands on it and like black friends like I took charge of the story and I'm going to tell the Harriet Tubman story my way or whatever. All you're fucking doing is retelling a villain story, which is something that is very popular right now. That's why, like, you have the new Maleficent movies. Mm. You have the new Cruel DeVille movies and all that stuff like that. You have the Joker. Mm. When you watch the anti-hero. Movie, yeah, the anti-hero. And they're like, like, oh, my God, see, now you can see, like, empathize with them. But that doesn't make them a hero. They're still scary and dangerous. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, we at some point we have to really reevaluate what's the purpose of these movies that that depict so much black trauma because is it? I don't think it's helping us. I think it's I think it's hurting the, us in the overall conversation, is because the real shit is still happening right now. If this was something that completely happened in the past, and we're like, oh yeah, remember like 30 years ago when like unarmed black people were getting killed and then police got completely reformed and defunded, then then I would be like. Okay, we can have these movies that historically depict black trauma and stuff, and we can understand this is a past situation, and we moved on. But we haven't moved on from it. You can't, you can't have a TV show being released that's showing angry black people getting beaten and dragged through the streets and all that stuff, and think people aren't going to be confused when they actually are seeing on the news angry black people being dragged through the streets. 
Yeah. The shit is actually still happening. Like it's it's not it's not a it's not a historical st- uh, story. It's not it's it's a current story. It's a, it's like it's relevant. And I know sometimes people say that's good too. And I'm like, no, because it you're just you're just kind of reminding people of of like what is and not what could be. Mm, yeah, it's not. It doesn't have that imagination of like future, like the same way that like Afrofuturism does. I think I think Misha Green actually dealt with that in. Lovecraft Country because well, there's that idea the Hippolyta like you're saying that's why like, I don't want to give too much spoilers but I was saying there's yeah. Hippolyta moments in, in these other other storylines where it talks about like a future beyond the present and the past of, of what could be yes we Which, need more black futuristic shit we need more black fantasy we need we need more I mean, stories about what it would look like if racism was just completely dismantled and, 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 and gone yeah why are we not writing those stories do we not want that? Do we not dream about that? Do we not hope for that? I think there's part of the the system that doesn't allow that. And I think there's part of the system that is doing that on the underground, but it hasn't got that mainstream like boost yet. Because yeah. I think there's so many books like 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 books that are out there writing about this, but they haven't transitioned into media. Yeah. Because I think that still the wrong people are in charge. What's next? Um, the last topic is, so if trauma stories aren't to change people's minds and maybe even worse than trauma, do they still have value? Do we not say that? Um, I don't think we... Okay. I mean, or we could skip it. Like, we could just say, what's the alternative to trauma stories, which we, we just talked about. out. Yeah. Let's just say what's the alternative there. We, uh, I thought we just did. We did say the alternative. Let, I'll, I'll, I'll just ask this question, then we can wrap it up. Okay. Yeah. So if trauma stories aren't to like change people's minds, or maybe they won't change the right people's minds, and maybe they'll make things worse, like, do they still have value? Like, is there any use to them? Uh, it's like, yes, but it's just, we're not... I don't I don't think we're ready as a people and as a collective to handle it properly. Like there's a reason why all of these biblical stories or fantasy stories, comic books and stuff always have these these characters like there's this great ancient artifact and in the wrong hands it could destroy the world. Mm. That's what a black trauma movie is. That is what a black trauma TV show could be. It ends up becoming the the Infinity Gauntlet. It ends up becoming the Holy Grail or whatever the fuck. You know what I'm saying? The the Rings of Power from Lord of the Rings. It yeah. becomes that shit. Because yes, uh, if in the right hands, it could change the whole diaspora and the whole way we see things and 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 correct history and stuff like that. But if it's in the wrong hands, it just repeats itself. So I'm saying. So do like, you think that that's like just just trauma? Or do you think that's just media in general? Yeah, media in general. As I, I th- I'm talking about trauma as a whole now, kind of yeah. almost like it's yeah. not. It's not just black trauma. It's how we treat trauma. Period. Yeah. Uh, it's like it just doesn't make sense to me. Like I don't like we don't we don't dwell on solutions as much as we dwell on the problem, and that always bothers me. I I just not I I want so badly to be a person that like tries to move forward to the solution, but I've been even so indoctrinated with American culture and the way how we go about things. I find myself 
constantly repeating the problem over and over and over and over again yep. without a solution. But I think sometimes that becomes that that appears because when I brought a solution, there was so much resistance, and I'm like, I don't know what else to do. I was, to keep reminding people. I was just thinking this. It's like people have more problem with the solutions than they have with the problem. Yes. Because we're used to the problem, but the solution scares us because it's new. Absolutely. We always say, oh, no, we don't uh, get rid of Planned Parenthood, get rid of abortions. No, we don't need gun control. No, we don't, uh, you know, like, like whatever. All these, all these different things. Oh, it's gonna, that's going to cost too much. We can't do that. Can't have free health care for everybody. No, can't universal health care. All these things are solutions. They, and, 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 and to the problems. And everybody just says, no, 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 no. But then I'm like, well, then you guys realize we still, they, we still had the problem then. They're like, yeah, but because ah, it's going to take time to figure out. And I'm like, no, we just gave you 12 solutions. It's not going to take time. Pick one, motherfucker. We can't dwell in, this, in, the, in, the, in the problem anymore. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's hard. Like, it's, I, I feel like everyone is so used to it because it either comes from a place of ignorance, mm-hmm. it comes from a place of fear, mm-hmm. it comes from a place of, if I bring it up, will it just make it worse? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, everybody... You know, kind of wants to just say like, I don't want to, I don't want to get to the solutions. Change is scary for everybody, I guess. Yeah. But I'm like, you Which know what's scary know. to me is getting shot in the middle of the street. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, and uh, you texted me this, but it, you said yeah. we need to stop skipping trauma in the history books. Yeah. So then we don't have to put it in the movies. Straight up. If you stop skipping the trauma pages in the fucking history book that talks about slavery and the civil rights movement and all that shit, and you actually tell these little kids and tell these teenagers and and college students and whatever else that the things that happened to Emmett Till, the things that happened to Tulsa, Oklahoma, the things that happened in Rosewood, things like these types of situations, when you actually show them that stuff and tell them that, it becomes part of their... Of, their collection of information, they don't need a HBO or Amazon Prime TV show to remind them. They already know about it. They're like, uh-uh, I know the real story. I don't even need that. And it's like, if we can take one minute every day, 60 seconds of silence to think about the victims of 9-11, we could take an hour out of every week to talk about history, the history of trauma and what's happened. Yeah. Like, we can, like... It's disproportionate. I get uncomfortable about I mean the nine eleven stuff. I know. Well yeah. that's the thing, is like that like but that's been indoctrinated since me at least since I was in fifth grade. Yeah. Now I remember how that happened and I was like, I like it's a terrible tragedy, but the thing is a lot of people lost their lives that day. And I always get uncomfortable because I'm like when there's certain people out there, when they remember that day, they remember it as Americans died and then like certain religious groups attacked us mm. and that's how they separated mm-hmm. but i'm like that's not what happened so like it, it was a particular group of people that atta- that are aligned that said that they were aligned with this other group and they're the ones that, that caused the attack but that's not how people see it they, you know it's like good guy bad guy but yeah. i'm like and then those good guys when they think of it they're not thinking about like people of all nations creeds and colors getting killed on that day they're thinking of just white people well because so like, you know why what it would be good if we had some sort of ed like system in the education like uh, we had some like sort of mechanism in the education system to reconcile with the fact that many times we as white Americans have been the bad guys and like have done bad, our people have done bad things. Like, and you have to have that as part of your understanding of yourself so that you can move forward. So then you don't, you're not so quick to villainize everybody who looks or, or prays a certain way just because they're not you. 
Or some of them did something bad. So what's our next step? Well, let's analyze your dream. <laughs> it's perspective. I told you we would come back around to it. <laughs> so we, I, so we know we're aware of how this parade is going to play out, and we, and because of that, we need to act accordingly. <laughs> yeah, like, like basically, we've seen the parade go by once, and we know it's going to come by again, and we know that pig is not laughing; he's crying. So how are we going to help the pig? Are we going to join in the parade and be a part of it? Or are we going to... And march him to his death? Yeah, and march him to his death, literally. Or are you going to replay it again and this time do something differently? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, all, I feel like all that's going to happen to me is I'm going to snap my fucking fingers and blink my eyes and I'm going to be back in the fucking restaurant stressed <laughs> out and not able to fucking refill all these drinks. And I'm going to be like, see... I'm going through I'm going through too many struggles at once. I can't I can't save this damn p- parade pig. But I don't know. Uh, it's I'm just makes me think about all the trauma that I'm gonna endure for the next rest of my life. And I'm like, we haven't that hasn't even happened yet, so we don't even know how to address that. Just gotta keep keep talking about it. I guess. What else do you want to do? Is that it? I think that was it. I mean Unless you want to talk about future trauma. Thank you for listening to Black Man in the Right World. If you like what you heard, please like, comment, subscribe, or leave us a five-star review. For more, go to www.blackmanrightworld.com or email us at blackmanrightworld at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.